Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. It's so great to be connecting with all of you. I hope all of you had a wonderful time uh, over the holiday, however you spent that, whatever you were up to or doing. Uh, Benny, how about you? What was it like? Uh, What do you mean what it was like? (laughs) It was really good times, good times. Eating. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to look back right now. I don't want to look backwards. I want to look forwards. I I think I had a a stuffed tummy for quite a few days in a row. Because I had multiple multiple dinners to attend. Of course you did. Said the life of me, right? Uh, That's that's Benny. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I really don't want to look at another plate of food for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, I learned a little bit about myself over this four-day time, yeah. right? We, you had to work on Friday a little bit, but it was kind of good stuff. And uh, and then Saturday, I played in the table tennis tournament, right? Mm-hmm. And here's what I learned about myself. Um, so we get there and getting all ready to get it going. And so I go to look to see who I'm going to play. And so everything was in Korean. Ooh. <laughs> and I kind of knew that. And of course, I've got friends to like take a look and Help tell you me. out. Yeah. Tell me a little bit. But then what I realized is wait a minute. I don't even play till one o'clock after lunch. <laughs> so what I learned about myself, that is not very good for me, right? To sit for like one, two, three, four hours, eat lunch, and then play. Mm -hmm. It was really tough. I learned that about myself. And, you know, part of that is just knowing what kind of person you are. I am clearly a morning person. And I've got to find another mechanism for that. But, you know, this was a great weekend. You know, a lot of exciting things. Energy shifting, changing. And we're going to talk about that today. Um... But when we think about the energies changing, I think sometimes in our busyness, we forget about how we are affected or, you know, what it is that points us in the direction we want to go. And I think one of the things that we're finding, and and I've talked about a study that was done by Sudesta not too long ago, where they asked the Generation Zers who are entering the workplace to really put their lists of things in priority about what they expect from their employer when they go to the workplace. So they're looking for money or you're looking for job security. And across the board, the Gen Zers said empathy, empathy. We need a workplace that's going to demonstrate compassion. But empathy was the word. And I I think that that the results of that business study was a shock because I think that 
most businesses, first of all, are not really sure what the word empathy means or empath. And then the second part of it is how do you show compassion in today's world? But we're going to we're going to not only talk about that, but we're going to tackle that today. Um, joining me here is and uh, in, in this book. First of all, let me just say something about the book. This is the exact book that we should send over to human resources to really handle the question of what does it mean to be absorbing the level of consciousness that, you know, new people that are entering the world, what are they really looking for? Is it really that confusing? But joining me here today is Reverend Dr. Stephanie Redfeather. Joining me here today as the author of The Evolutionary Empath, A Practical Guide for Heart-Centered Consciousness. Now, being a girl from the Bronx, I have to say that I did not learn a whole lot about empathy and compassion from the cement jungle. I will say that I did learn it from my mom and my mom's side of the family and what they were about. And as a very young kid, I would pick up on things and feel things that many others didn't. But what is it about this? What is it about the evolution of the empath? What is it that we are now learning and that we now need to learn more about? And that's why we are ready to kick this off. Uh, Reverend Dr. Stephanie Redfeather, founder and director of Blue Star Temple, an ordained shamanic minister, holds a bachelor's degree in applied mathematics. Linda probably is just going to love her, love her, love her and master's and doctorate in shamanic studies and from Venus Rising University. Uh, beyond all of that, you're going to hear more about who she is and how we can find out more about her. But today, get your heart open. Thank you for joining me here, Reverend. It's great mm -hmm. to have you. Did I call you Rev? You can just call me Stephanie or just whatever works for you. I'm so happy to be here, Pat. Thank you. Yeah, I like the whole Reverend Doctor thing. Doesn't that sound kind of cool? Yeah, and sometimes I wonder who you're talking to because it yeah. still doesn't feel like I me. Know. <laughs> I know. I went through the same thing. And honestly, the show wasn't even called The Dr. Pat Show because I didn't realize that I had actually gotten a doctorate. I'm not sure what I thought I was doing, but I never really felt like I deserved it. And it's a, it's a journey, right? Mm. Um, but here we are. And what we are talking about is I think one of the, let me just call them tentacles, of of having the conversation about the evolutionary empath. And I say one of the tentacles because I think that we are not sure about what the word empathy means, what empath is, are they one and the same, but more importantly, some of the underpinnings here. And what I mean by that is, I think that when we enter this world and we have some things that just hold us back from being who we are. One of them has to do with how much we are absorbing energy-wise, heart-wise, and, and how our hearts hurt sometimes. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you asked a lot of questions in a short period of time. I know. They should have warned you. A lot to unpack. It feels like you're sitting at the dinner table uh, with everybody, huh? Yeah. yeah. Yep, there you go. There, there is 
while the term empath, of course, derives from the word empathy, mm. to me, they are distinct and separate. And I, I go into that in the book a mm -hmm. little bit. So I'm just going to start there if that's okay. Um, I, I think of empathy as a quality that every human has the potential to develop. It's the ability to place ourselves inside somebody else's situation, view things from their perspective, and, and build a bridge of connection or understanding or compassion with that other person, feeling what they're, you know, going through, imagining it ourselves. Being an empath is not a skill or a competency. I mean, there are, there are certain qualities that can be developed, certainly, but if you are an empath, the position I hold is that you were born that way. It is not something you turn on or off. It is something you live with 24-7. It is uh, a, actually a, a choice made at a soul level to come into this human existence with a refined set of sensitivities, with a slightly different energetic physiology. And so because this is such a new phenomenon, there are so many people who don't know they are an empath. And so they live for a number of years and usually decades from the unconscious side of things, meaning they're an empath and they don't know it. So that means we usually end up living from the unhealthy qualities of our empathic nature. Yeah. And, you know, when we're looking at that, there is this confusion between it right, between what we mean by one or the other. But there is an energy to it as well, isn't there? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, you, you, you know, the, that was a real study I mentioned that was done. It was a business study mm -hmm. that was done, you know, asking a very large group of people what was most important to them. And, and literally, the results of that study left people scratching their heads. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because what kind of person might we be talking about? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and in, in the book, when we when I was reading your book and I was thinking there was one thing that I picked up from. I can't remember exactly the page, but. Three words. We are groundbreakers. We are are groundbreakers. And I thought, I've got to talk to you about that. Because it it is interesting to have that statement be made in the context of the evolution of the empath. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. And I wanted everybody that doesn't have the book or didn't read it to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, thank you. Um, so let me just back up a little bit to provide a context for that. Yeah. Um, we as humanity are in a cycle of ascension and there's one chapter in the book where I get a little sciency for those who like it because I do have a, a math degree and I like <laughs> getting my geek on um, but there are over 30 ancient cultures that have tracked a, a grand cycle of time that most people refer to as the great year. So I'm not going to go into all the science behind it, but it's a period of time that's actually 24,000 years. Some say it's 26,000. There's a reason for the discrepancy. I'm just going to say 24. And so 
you may have heard of the Greek ages. So the Iron Age, Bronze Age, Silver Age, Golden Age. You might have heard of the Indian Yuga cycles. Um, these are all just different ways of breaking down that same 24,000 year cycle. So during that 24,000 years, humanity is ascending in consciousness for half of that period of time and descending in consciousness for the other half. And, you know, whatever reference you go to, they may not all agree precisely on the exact year that we turned that corner, but they pretty much all agree that we have turned that corner. So we are in an upswing. We are increasing in our awareness and consciousness in our vibration. And so I believe that empaths are groundbreakers because we are here with a cosmic mission to help humanity evolve to the next level of consciousness. And so those refined sensitivities, that energetic physiology that I spoke of, that, that we come here with, I think of as the new human blueprint. Mm. We are what everyone is moving toward. But in the beginning, we are the anomaly. We're the black sheep. We're the weirdos. And, um, you know, in geologic time, a hundred or two hundred years is a blink of an eye. And so I coined the phrase the empathic big bang. That yeah. all of us empaths that are here on the planet right now and who've incarnated last century, you know, there weren't so many of us a uh, hundred or hundred and fifty years ago, but all together we are collectively the empathic big bang here to to help um, move the, the needle, if you will, in human consciousness. You know, I think that this is really the conversation about what we're really being called to do, especially as we move into 2020. But one of the things that I wanted to talk with you about, and, you know, that's part of this journey, are the many, many ways that our, our energetic empowerment factor can be diminished. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I think about the evolutionary empath or empath period, and I think about myself, even as a very, very young age, and certainly you have so many amazing stories in here, right? Yes. You know, I was reading about Amy here for a minute before I got back, uh, got on. And I was thinking, well, this is interesting, Claire audience and very sensitive to sound. When she's alone, she rarely has TV on and enjoys peace and quiet. And I think these are the kinds of things that help explain our collective when we're around each other. And also as a guidepost for how to be and understand uh, and as I should say, empathize with who somebody is, you know, to be able to see that we're not all the same. And just because you know, I can't do anything un unless I have the television, the radio, probably something on my iPod playing all at one time and I'm sitting down and I'm building a website. Um, but that doesn't mean everybody's like me. So I'm aware of that. And, you know, when Linda comes to visit, it's a very different place. When we come back, what I want to talk with you about is the idea of understanding the revolution, right? Mm -hmm. So that we can understand how each and every one can accelerate their gifts in the world. 
And I think that is really part of this as I went through your book again and I was reading it and I was thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, let me think about this. Am I an empath or not? And what are some of the things that we all could be more mindful of so that we could truly show up as who we are? We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to take this journey of unpack, unpacking the five qualities of an empath and then get to hear what y'all think about yourselves. Yeah, five qualities of an empath. When we come back with Reverend Stephanie Redfeather, we'll be right back. Dream on, lie high, and live adventurously on The Laura Meeks Show. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Laura Meeks guides you in finding your unique gifts and bringing them to life. As a certified life coach, speaker, and veteran bomber pilot for the U.S. Air Force, Laura knows how to follow a dream. She is ready to support you so you can dream on, fly high, and live adventurously. For more information on Laura and her work, visit flyhighliving.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to TransformationRadio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. If you've ever had a broken heart, you know how painful that can be and how long it can sometimes take to heal it. I'm Megan Edge, author of The Heart's Journey, Healing Hearts, Oracle Cards, and Guidebook, published with Balboa Press and Hay House. In The Heart's Journey, I share with you my own heartbreak and how I healed it through the beautiful hearts that found me in nature. From taking photographs of these hearts for myself, I've created this beautiful toolkit, which includes the guidebook, which has my story, how to work with Oracle cards as a healing tool, and the story of each of these hearts as they cross my path. I've also created a beautiful journal. There's a pen, a bookmark, and of course, the 42 Healing Hearts Oracle cards. You can order the Hearts Journey, Healing Hearts Oracle cards, and guidebook through my website, meganedge.ca, through Balboa Press, Amazon, and many other places online or your local shops. I look forward to hearing about your heart's healing. Do you find yourself sensitive to the energies around you? Do you find that you attract certain people in your life who literally drain your energy? In fact, they suck the life right out of you. If so, this course, The Empath's Guide to Slaying Energy Vampires, is just for you. Here, you will learn the tools and strategies you need to take your power back. Sign up today at thekarmicpath.com under our courses tab. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We all think we do, don't we? At some point in time in life, if if we can't change the world, let's just change the color of our room. But more importantly, you know, there's something that goes on inside of us. And we are talking today with Reverend Stephanie Redfeather. And we're talking about this book that has so much in it, 
fantastic stories too, including her own, The Evolutionary Empath, A Practical Guide for Heart-Centered Consciousness. Um, before we go ahead and, and look at the five qualities of an empath, I would love for people to know, one, how to get a copy of the book and how they can find out more about you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my website is bluestartemple.org. You can purchase this book wherever books are sold. So, you know, you can go to my website and there's links there to Amazon and IndieBound and uh, Inner Traditions, who's the publisher. You can get it in your favorite, you know, spiritual bookstore. Uh, there is an uh, audio book. Uh, that is in production and should be dropping in January. So right now you can get the paperback or the Kindle version. Awesome. Thank you. Um, look, uh, one of the things that uh, I'm always fascinated by is uh, I'm fascinated by how people discover what they discover and then write about it and share it. And I want to talk to you about that in the context of discovering these five qualities and what they mean. But what I'd like to do, Benny, is let's go ahead and give a copy of the book away right now. Uh, 1-800-930-2819. Love to give a first copy of several we have to give away today. 1-800-930-2819. You know, earlier in the show, I was kind of mentioning, well, this is me. You walk into a room and, you know, I am am highly introverted. I've taken every one of those personality things, and I'm so far on the introvert scale, I'm in the abnormal part of the curve. And so people don't understand sometimes when I'm out in public why I'm so quiet. But when I think about this, I was thinking about the five qualities of an empath, and I was thinking to myself, does it have really any relationship to any of these other tests? And then I thought, I'm not sure, but I'd love to hear from you what you've been given to help us understand these qualities, what they are, and help people understand what the impact might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because when I sat down to write this book, my spirit guides gave me one directive, and that was create a definition. And of course, I'm like, oh yeah, sure, okay, no problem, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure there. <laughs> But I had been leading empath workshops and working with this material for a long time. And so as I started going into, I had, I had lists of kind of experiences we usually have or, or qualities. And they started organizing themselves into like items. And so as that occurred, I realized that five qualities of an empath were emerging from this list. And so I kind of formalized it. Um, so my, I actually spend two chapters defining what an empath is. And, and I'm pretty sure you're not going to find any other book that gets that granular on a detailed definition of what an empath is. Um, and so these five distinct qualities are part of that definition. So the first quality is the ability to merge with or absorb the energy of other beings. And so that includes not just people, but animals, anything with life force. And that stems from our very open personal energy field. So on the other side of it, this is the quality that causes us to unconsciously take on others' emotions and problems and to struggle with boundaries. The second quality is that we have a highly sensitive nervous system. 
And so that makes us prone to overwhelm and overstimulation. And of course, you know, a nervous system by by definition is meant to be sensitive, but it's kind of like we got a, a double dose. So it really requires extra vigilant self-care on our part. The third quality is that we have a great sensitivity to the energies around us and an ability to perceive or access subtle information that's stored in the energy field of all types of life forms. So what I'm talking about here is our ability to tune into the unseen realms, people who can see angels or talk to the dead or um, uh, lean towards paranormal experiences or, uh, you know, can really read other people's emotions, um, accessing the Akashic records and, you know, all of those different sorts of things, communicating with animals, et cetera, et cetera. The fourth quality is the premium that we place on peace and harmony, and that is in our relationships, our environment, and our own energy field. So given our heightened sensitivities, we will do kind of anything and everything, especially in the unconscious years, to not rock the boat and to keep things as peaceful and harmonious as possible. And the fifth quality is our big open hearts and a desire to serve others. And this makes us inclined usually towards careers focused on service. But again, in the unconscious years, a lot of times when we're living from the unhealthy aspects of these qualities, it can make us prone to overgiving, putting ourselves last on the list um, and not taking good care of ourselves. So those are the five qualities. So how, when we look at this, right, and thank you for talking about them, mm-hmm. um, because, you, you know, outlining what those qualities are, are important for people to know what to do with them, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you find yourself in one or several or all of them, then the question is, for a lot of empaths, how the heck do I live my life? I bet you hear that a lot, right? Yes. yes. Right. Because it's like a real question. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like now what? Okay, great. Now, now what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which was which is what I stated in the book. It's like, okay, great. When I learned I was an empath, at least I had a name for this thing I was, but it still left me with, you know, how do I live my life? Um, and so I, I would love to give... Um, here's steps one through 10 and you do this first and the second and this third. And I can't because that's not my experience of how this works. I know I was (laughs) reading about it in your book. I got to the part in your book where you said something like, I would like, I would like to tell you that, Oh, here it is. I would like to tell you that this transformation will be a linear path. Simply do a, then B, then C, and you will achieve D. But I think you already know that this is not how transformation works. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah. Transformation is not linear. Uh, It is a spiral path for sure. It is nonlinear. And what I find is usually there's some kind of an awakening that's happening, an awareness or at least a realization that whatever you've been doing isn't working for you anymore. And what that usually does is it throws up in your face multiple things at one time. I I find it's not usually just one thing. It's a lot of things that are related. And so um, I was at a book signing in Indianapolis just on Saturday and was speaking with a woman that's like, where where do I start? 
And it really kind of depends on what the biggest pressure point is. But the answer I gave her was, or I asked her, do you have an energy hygiene practice? Do you tend to your energy field? And she said, no. And Uh I said, my intuitive hit for you is that's where to start, is at least start to begin to tune into your own energy body. And and energy hygiene is a real thing, just like brushing your teeth and taking a bath and clipping your toenails. (laughs) You need to manage your energy. And what that means is, developing practices to clear your field. And in the process of doing that, you start to get in tune with the with your field in the first place, you know, kind of thinking of it like a container mm-hmm. or a bubble or whatever visualization works. And as you do that, uh, you start to develop an awareness of who's in your field that doesn't need to be there, what have you picked up from other people that's not yours, so you can start to manage that and move those things out of your field so that you can begin to hear your own self more clearly um, and and start to develop this thing called boundaries. (laughs) Uh Well, I I mean, honestly, we, we have a whole new vibe on boundaries that I want to talk with you with you about when we come back. You know, once upon a time boundaries meant I live in this house, you live in this house, this is our fence, that's the boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I believe there are more emotional and energetic boundaries that we never talked about, this is a whole new world. And when we come back, I want to talk about what some of the potholes are. And what I mean by that is, you know, There are potholes that many of us have stepped in in our lives, but we don't really know about what they are or how we how we've fallen in them. You know, Mm -hmm. energy leaks that right. Mm -hmm. Managing your energy field. I want to take a short break. When we come back, want to know what an energy leak is and what to do about it. Yep. That's what. Reverend Stephanie is going to do when we come back, everybody. We'll be right back. Tap into the wisdom of animals, angels, and masters with Darcy Pariso on Animal Soul Wisdom Radio. Tune in monthly as Darcy brings insights on how to better understand and deepen our relationships with animals. Working with light and pureness of ancient techniques, Darcy, healer, animal communicator, and medium, is here to guide you through this process and provide inspiration to move forward. For more information about working with Darcy, visit DarcyPariso.com. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. Are you truly ready to experience overflow in every area of your life? Are you ready to go from limited to limitless? Imagine starting your week off with a deeper connection to the dog consciousness. It's time for you to feel inspired, uplifted, and shifted. I invite you to join me, Tracy L, online or in person for our Soul Sundays. Start your week off feeling empowered and ready to serve and expand the miracles waiting for you. Has your buzz for life buzzed off? 
feeling ignored, invisible, and wondering if this is really all there is? The years go by faster as we gain momentum. You're halfway there. Are you gathering speed or puttering out? Hit your stride for the liberating half of life. Comfortable in your skin? You can do better than that. Tune in to Discovering You Again Radio every fourth Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as host Susan Axelrod encourages listeners to decide what they want, get inspired to action, and face challenges head-on. Host Susan Axelrod pulls no punches, encouraging you to grab the brass ring and soar. For more information about Susan, go to www.whatwillyourlegacybe.com. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy Ober. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy Ober. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are having a blast here. Look, this is about the evolutionary empath and lots of information on Reverend Stephanie's website. So I want to make sure you go there, which is bluestartemple.org, bluestartemple.org. And when you go there, um, you're going to be able to find out a whole lot about her work, what she does but also about the evolutionary empath, number one on Amazon in the U.S., U.K., Canada. And there's a reason for it. I'm really scratching the surface here on everything you've put in there, uh, Reverend Stephanie. I mean, there's just so much in here. But I, but I have to get to this next part because I want to make sure, and I'll probably skip the next break, Benny. Um, I want to get to this next part because you provide a toolkit right? Mm -hmm. The practice of being human and divine. And I love that a majority, big, big fat part of the book is this. Mm -hmm. Um, How has writing this book changed you? Well, it has really just, in a way, legitimized a lot of this in my own mind, you know, because I think like so many people, we just wander around going, well, am I just rationalizing my behavior? Am I am I justifying my sensitivities? <laughs> you know, am I just the only one in my own little bubble here? <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I really, you know, my spiritual practice is very important to me. And so in connecting with my guides and connecting in with the morphic feeling, field of the empath, which I talk about in the book, I really, every time I sat down to write this book, my prayer was, let me be a channel. I want to be the the deliverer, the hollow bone, so that whatever needs to come through me can, can act as, you know, an activation, act as a turning on a light switch or whatever is needed for each person who encounters this 
material. And so it really gave me just a lot more confidence and belief and the perspective. The the first half of the book, that's part of what I think sets this book apart from others on the subject, is this really high-level perspective of why we're here to give people a context to locate themselves within. That really gives me confidence and inspiration when I look at the TV or read the news or whatever and just want to go in the corner and suck my thumb. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for a reason. Things really are changing. Um, it, it just solidified a lot of those things for me. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, there's something that happens when we get information like this. And there's an enormous responsibility, I think, too, in how we pass it on and move it forward. And, I, and that's why I, I was really thrilled to see, you know, that this part of the book now that we're going to talk about is about making sure that we understand how important our energy is and what we can do about it. Um, and, and I, I just want to I want to just ask you this question. I'm using the metaphor potholes. What would you say is the top three on your list? Sort of, you know, empath beware. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we contend because we are, our superpower is blending and merging with others. One of the top things is we will take on other people's emotions and issues and problems like they are our own and not even know that they're not ours. So we'll feel those emotions. We'll feel uh, very codependent. So right hand in hand with that is codependence in relationships, feeling responsible for the other person's happiness or feeling responsible to fix their problems and that sort of thing. That's a really huge one. Overwhelm slash overstimulation. That's another one. I mean, almost certainly if you're not aware you're an empath, you are overwhelmed to some degree or another. So getting a handle on that and making different life choices to manage that is really important. Um, And probably having, you know, a lot of people have that I encounter who are empaths and don't know it really don't have any boundaries. I mean, to be honest, we suck at saying no, (laughs) we don't recognize where we end and the next person begins. So that's another piece um, that's challenging for a lot of us. Yeah. I mean, this is really the cool thing about what you said. I connected a couple dots and I really want to get your take on it. Um, I did a whole series last year because I discovered a couple of things. I discovered the rise of a, uh, a term in psychology, but also in sociology called narcissism. Mm-hmm. And what I realized, and I, I took this on, was that the word was being thrown around. You know, it was like narcissist, narcissist. And so I had to speak out because I have some history with that. And I, and, I, and I had to come out and I had to say, wait a minute. You know, there is this word that is thrown out that has nothing or very little to do with narcissistic personality disorder. And what you talked about is fascinating because here's the dots that I connected in a short little brief study I did. Your description of an empath and the ability to be out there and be there for people beyond any kind of safe level of self-care, right? You know what I mean? I'm not saying we shouldn't help each other. And and the pain by which 
uh, one can go through as an empath, especially if you are connecting with someone that has gotten the headlines out there recently last year as a narcissist. There is so much pain. But the other thing I want to ask you about, um, Reverend Stephanie, is this. We see levels rising of treatment of each other, whether it's bullying in the workplace. And I want to ask you, my sense is we have more empaths now than we ever have. How are we coping? Hmm. Oh, there, there's a lot there. I know. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to try to be as pointed as I can in my answer cuz this could be a, an hour conversation in itself. Um as let me figure out how I want to frame this. I'm going to I'm going to frame it in terms of two people and this this framing that I'm doing can be applied to humanity in general and in, in what you're talking about. When a person changes, when they, when they change their behavior, when they make a, a new decision, when they release old habits, you know, something transformational, their personal energetic vibration changes. When it changes, now there is a dissonance, a potential dissonance between that person and the people close to them in their life. What was once in, in resonance may now be in dissonance or disharmony. And so that can create some, some shuffling of people and relationships and things in a person's life when they make a big change because things that are no longer in harmony with their new viewpoint or their new vibration, their new frequency, are going to be vibrated up to the surface to be healed or dealt with. Sometimes that looks like confrontation. Sometimes that looks like pain. Sometimes that looks like chaos, but it's a result of this shift in frequency. And so a lot of what I see on a global scale is as we are shifting collectively in our vibration, things that are no longer in harmony with where we're headed are being vibrated up to the surface to be dealt with. And mm -hmm. so our shadow, our collective human shadow, things that we have stuffed down that we don't want to deal mm -hmm. with or talk about are, are coming up in our face and it can make us feel like we're moving backwards when we're really not when it's actually a sign of progress but it it still has to be dealt with we still have to develop our tools and our awarenesses so that we don't get sucked into the drama and the chaos of it when i think about this too i think about what kind of strength we need to develop and i'm not talking about uh, physical strength, although that's helpful sometimes. I'm really talking about the kind of strength that I don't know that you call it that in your book. Um, but when you start to provide these solutions for folks, there is a strength that I sense, you know, a level of resilience, mm -hmm. while at the same time, you know, you are going to remain an empath, an empath. But, you know, I think what I've learned is that we don't have to have mutually exclusive things. And I think that's a misconception. When we talk about empaths, there's this sense sometimes that they are not strong, that they are not resilient. And I really beg to differ on that. And I've talked to a couple of my colleagues about it the other day. And that's and I said, well, you're gonna have to listen to the show and get our book. 
Um, but but so many things, you know, we find like I, I was really struck by you talking about how we lose ourselves in relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, oh, boy, now she's talking about me right there. <laughs> She's like not a, and, and not just love relationships mm-hmm. like jobs, mm-hmm. like my head was shaped like a bell for a long time because I worked for the phone company for 24 years. I never thought about leaving. Mm-hmm. My gosh, come on. Um, but let's talk about the, the, what I like to call is sort of this, this the tapestry, the weaving, where the weaver and the web are one, right? Mm-hmm. And let's just talk about that because, you know, you're looking at this, especially as I read into the book, something fascinating, you know, this idea of masculine feminine energy mm-hmm. and the confusion around it. As if one is good, the other is not. One is better here, the other is not better here. But you're really talking about it differently. And I think, I want to ask you about it. And I want you to talk about it because it is really a solution for uh, creating harmony of these energies, I think. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is a this is a subject dear to my heart because um, when I was, just give you a little brief history of me, I was a very intuitive, creative child, which are mm-hmm. very much, you know, feminine archetypal qualities. And then if you track the arc of my life, at some <laughs> point, um, I did a total 180 and got a math degree and went into the Air Force. And I was an Air Force officer for 10 years. And so in my spiritual awakening, a huge part of my journey was reclaiming my feminine energies and bringing them mm. back into balance. And so what, you know, the the position I take is that if you look at the qualities of an empath, they pretty much peg the feminine side of the house. Mm. And so one of the things I learned early on in my awakening is we were we were doing an exercise on personal power and I realized that my definition of power had to do with force and somebody wins and somebody loses and making it happen and you know all of those sorts of things which are are kind of masculine qualities gone wrong and so it i had to you know of course i didn't want to be powerful if that's what my definition of power meant and so it gave me an opening to realize that i can be powerful in my gentleness i can be powerful in my compassion I can be powerful in my ability to hold space for another person. And so a lot of this is reframing our definition of power. What does that mean? So there, there is a, you know, planet-wide, there is a return of the divine feminine. But that doesn't mean that the pendulum is now swinging wildly to the other side where everything masculine is going to be vilified. I see it as the opportunity for the two archetypes, the two sets of qualities, masculine and feminine, to come into balance, to come into conscious equal partnership. And that starts with coming into partnership with yourself, your own Mm -hmm. inner masculine and inner feminine. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, too. I'm going to boil it down to this. There are two. Two expressions. I have very interesting childhood, right? Um, 
my mom committed suicide when I was six and my, my, when I was six and my stepmom married my dad, she was a very young, young age, my, and she brought in two, two girls with her. So she was from the South, deep South. And she would say things that stuck with me for a long time. And one of the expressions was, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And, you know, that is all well, right? If, if we understand the human element, the one you talk about in the book, you know, understanding who we are, you know, if we are empaths, then understanding what that means. Because my sense is sometimes, you know, using myself as an example, you don't know when to hold them and you don't know when to fold them. As a matter of fact, you will hold them a really long time when you should have folded them way sooner. Mm-hmm. And and yet what you've done in this book is allowed us to explore how to create a life that would be free from, you know, the the pain that comes along with not understanding how to create all those special things you talk about in here. And, and I think that's really what we're talking about. People don't know how to do what you're writing about. And my sense is that that has to be a major reason for this to be given to you and being brought forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it starts with the one and, and the axiom yeah. as the one, so the many, as the many, so the one really applies that if we can do our internal work, we are contributing to the collective and we cannot, there's a roomy quote, I'm not going to get it quite right, but basically, (laughs) you know, never give from the depth of your well, but from your overflow. Mm. And, and that should be, I think every empath's mantra (laughs) because (laughs) There, we cannot give and give of quality and, and be present with another person when our tank is empty, we, when we're still stuck in our own triggers, when we're, you know, going through our own issues, it's hard to be able to show up fully for another person. So doing our own inner work is of value even in the face of a culture that does not value that very much right now. Um, I kind of saved this part, you know, for last, really, um, sort of an extension of what you just said. But I had to learn in some interesting ways about the divine. And I don't want to blow by, you know, what that means and how you talk about it in the book. And, 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 and what I mean by that is um, I was struck by a paragraph in the book and I put my little sticky note on it and I just want to read it. And I know we've got a few minutes left, but it, it's this statement. You say every human being is an incarnation of the divine waiting to discover the truth of his or her identity. And you go on to say much more about it. But that statement right there is a powerful statement and it really leads to a powerful life, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does. And when I talked about those five qualities of an empath, what goes along with that, especially in the unconscious years, is we don't know who we are. It is so much easier for us to abdicate our own throne and drop our anchor in another person so that 
we we don't know who we are. We don't know what we like. We we don't know how to center ourselves inside our own sovereign space. And so that is really part of the task of coming home and coming into consciousness as an empath is drawing the the boundaries of your kingdom, if you will, and coming back to sit inside your own throne and be centered in your own energy and grounded in your body. And that takes uh, some practice. It takes some skill, but it can it can be done for sure. You know, we didn't get to talk about the free download you have on your site. Um, which, of course, I, I downloaded. And, and I want to just mention it to people. Um, when you go to uh, Stephanie's website, bluestartemple.org, make sure you scroll, you know, where you can find the free download. Because when you do, you're going to be able to take a look at not just some of the things we're talking about today and the depth of the book, but, you know, the idea of, of having questions that get raised for you to explore uh, who each and every one of you are and what our soul might choose. And I want to thank you for that gift. Mm, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you for that. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much for today. It's great to have you here. I know there's a lot that we talked about, but there's a lot more in your book. I'd love to know what, your personal message is. You know, what would you like to leave us with today? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the title of my first chapter. You're not crazy, (laughs) but but you're not normal either. And so, you know, so it's a message of hope and inspiration that you're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. There is a, a cosmic mission that you are here to participate in, and I don't want that to feel heavy for you. It doesn't mean you have to go change your life and go on Oprah and, you know, be a political activist or step, you know. That's like, okay, too, that. though. It, all of that is great, but, you know, keep living your life, but if you can step into this role of being an empath, this gift, consciously then there are skills and tools so that you can thrive in your life, so that you don't have to hide, so that you don't have to just focus on surviving, that you can truly step into your power and shine your bright light in the world. Thank you so much. For those of you that are just tuning in, the book is The Evolutionary Empath, A Practical Guide for Heart-Centered Consciousness. Reverend Dr. Stephanie Redfeather was my very special guest today. And if you've missed any part of this, much more to come. Thank you so much, Reverend Stephanie, for today. And thank you for all that you're doing to really bring out into this world a place for empaths to be, to grow, and to thrive. Mm, Thank you so much. I had a great time speaking with you. I love it. Benny, thank you for pushing all the right buttons. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. And don't forget, remember who you are. You are really divine. We'll see you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.